I don't want to change the Libertarian Party principles. I don't want to tell people to believe in this now. I just want to say, let's make a better party. Let's make a party that actually packages the mantle of libertarianism the way it deserves. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. What's up, Liberty lovers? We are back here once again at the Lions of Liberty podcast, your home for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. This is the 211th episode of this program, which means you can find today's show notes featuring links to everything we discuss in the show over at lionsofliberty.com slash 211. Today's show is sponsored by Health Excellence Select, an incredible, free market, affordable, legal alternative to your standard Obamacare corporatized insurance. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a candidate for the national chairmanship of the Libertarian Party to be decided at the end of this month in Orlando, Florida at the National Convention. He is, in fact, the youngest candidate for this position. He is a co-founder of the website BeingLibertarian.com. I am pleased to welcome in Mr. Charles Paralo. Charles, are you ready to roar? Meow. <laughs> we'll start uh, with no, a meow. No, Maybe roar. we'll build to the roar. There we go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm ready to roar. But thanks for having me on. And yeah, I am running for the chairman spot. Uh, I am the youngest one running, but Nick and Brett are both pretty young guys themselves. And this is not really about youth. It's really just about I've been in the Libertarian Party not that long, but I've always been a libertarian. I've been active in this movement for eight years. I've helped out Libertarian Party candidates before. I've been active with nonprofits and organizations in the space. But it's just really saying Donald Trump is the nominee now. The Republican Party has gotten flat out too ridiculous. I've had my most establishment Republican friends message me, how do I get involved in the Libertarian Party? And, you know, I want to create a Libertarian Party where after this election, we can hold a high enough standard to beat out and replace the Republican Party. That's a big goal, but I feel like it's the direction this country is heading in, especially when we had to decide between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, and also at the same time, and the options the establishment were given were Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio. So it's our time to shine. It's our time to roar. It certainly does seem that it is a a time or at least a a very opportune time because you've got Donald Trump on the Republican Party. And obviously there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of pro-Trump people because he wouldn't be the nominee or the expected nominee. I guess it's not official till it's official, but it's about as close as it can be. And there's so much anger against him. There's a whole hashtag, the Never Trump movement. So where are those guys going to go now? And then on the other side, we've got Hillary. She's pretty much locked in, but there's still this vibrant Bernie contingent. And a lot of them, I don't really believe them necessarily. Necessarily, but a lot of the people that I know anyway who are Bernie supporters have said they will not vote for Hillary either. So there's really potential, at least, from both sides to capture a lot of the, the unhappiness people might have with the current paradigm. And at least, if not vote for Libertarian parties, at least get them talking and thinking about things in a different way. Well, you're in Los Angeles, so you should know a lot of Bernie Sanders people. I sure I'm, do. In, I'm in Manhattan, and I know many as well. Exactly. Uh, I mean, when it comes to this election, I mean, first off, I want to say that I was perhaps the first vocal opponent of Donald Trump. And that might be a little bit of a brag claim, but I was there when he announced his run for president. I was in New York. It was like a 10-block walk for me. So I was like, hey, why not? I went to the bar, had some friends there who got invites. I got an invite. And right as he announces, there's a photo of me. I can show you. It's on my Facebook of giving the finger, faking a heart attack as he announces at the bar (laughs) of Trump Tower. Uh, Also, if you were to go back four months before that at the CPAC convention when nobody thought Trump was going to run, 
National Review did a story, and I'm quoted in it saying, Donald Trump walks up to Charles Perallo, uh, shakes his hand, say, vote for me in the straw poll. Perallo says, no, thank you. Trump rolls his eyes and walks away. Um, <laughs> so I would like to say I was the most vocal guy against Trump. And, you know, as someone who I would say is a, re- a recovering Republican, I look at it and say, you know what? Donald Trump has ruined the Republican Party. The people who are backing him, I don't think are really backing him based on ideas. I think they're backing him based on a very shady message that represents terrible reality TV. They're backing him based on the idea of this impractical wall, which won't do anything. It won't stop the immigration problem. Instead, it'll just hurt our ties. They're back in this unrealistic trade view, which no economist supports. No economist gets behind it. It's a disaster. And then, quite frankly, I think it's just a fairly racist movement if you look at his comments on Islam. Now, regarding Hillary Clinton, she's the female Richard Nixon at the end of the day. But unlike Richard Nixon, she doesn't have his intelligence or class. <laughs> so I'm looking at it and I'm saying that the Bernie Sanders supporters, if anyone knows my page being libertarian, well, our page, a great team of people there, we've been very hostile to Bernie. We've attacked pretty much every one of his economic views. But, you know, at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton voted for Iraq and did so very proudly. Uh, Hillary Clinton was not a friend to LGBT causes. Hillary Clinton is not a friend to marijuana legalization. She is pro-Patriot Act. Hillary Clinton is not change. So what I would say with the Libertarian Party and really what we're trying to do here is bring out ideas so we can get the never Trump people and we can get the Bernie Sanders people, and a whole lot of independents in this process. So one idea I proposed as chairman, really simple one. Charles, if I can just stop you there, we'll get into more about your chairmanship and, and that in a minute, but I actually want to tick the, the clock back a little bit, and I, I kind of want to learn first how you became a libertarian in the first place, because you did mention that you're a recovering Republican. I think a lot of us, or anybody who's a libertarian, uh, is recovering from something, <laughs> recovering from republicanism, from being a Democrat, from just old ways of thinking, except for the uh, the very few lucky ones that grew up in libertarian households. So why don't you just get into that first? What was your things like for you when you were a Republican, and how did you start to change your views? Well, we need more people who grew up in libertarian households. We sadly do not have enough of those. But I mean, the thing is, I've always been a libertarian. It's just I chose to register with the Republican Party due to the Ron Paul movement, due to Rand Paul. I mean, at the end of the day, I've been an atheist since the third grade. I've always been pro-choice, pro-gay, pro-marijuana legalization. I knew the Iraq war was a scam. And I've always been very free market. So I was 100% a libertarian. In fact, I was probably one of the first volunteers for Gary Johnson's campaign in 2011, where I met him at the CPAC convention there and helped out his campaign. So I've always been a libertarian. I would say since I was like 13, 14 years old, when I found out what that word meant, I was like, this is me. So it was more a situation where you you started to take a number of positions on things and then later figured out, oh, wait, there's actually uh, something I can put these under, uh, an umbrella I can put them yeah. under. I am actually have a belief belief here, a system of beliefs. Exactly. And what I'm saying is I think that there are currently more libertarians in the Republican Party than there are in the Libertarian Party. And I think the statistics show that is true. But why haven't they registered in the Libertarian Party? That's why I'm running for chairman, because I don't think the Libertarian Party has held a high enough standard with how we do things. I don't think our websites are good enough. I don't think our social media is good enough. I don't think our outreach or our infrastructure is good enough. So I'm looking to really reform that change it. I don't want to change the Libertarian Party principles. I don't want to tell people to believe in this now. I just want to say, let's make a better party. Let's make a party that actually packages the mantle of libertarianism the way it deserves. And I just don't think it has been doing so for the last few years. And I think this is our best shot, and it might be our best shot for the next 20 years to do so. 
So the current chairman of the Libertarian Party is Nicholas Sawark. I've inter- interviewed him on the show. I know you've had good things to say about him as well, but obviously there's something missing, I think, you see from the current leadership or else you wouldn't bother to run to try to change it. So what are you seeing or maybe not seeing, I guess, now in the Libertarian Party at the top that's, uh, that just isn't going the way you, you believe things should go? Well, the thing about Nick is that, first off, I just want to say I'm running this as a positive campaign. I'm not going to bash anyone. What I've looked at with his tenure as the chairman, we currently have registrations actually going down. Uh, We don't have fundraising going up. We have it actually going down. So I think there are some obvious problems there. And really, nothing has changed. I've spoken to probably 20 state chairs, over 100 delegates. When I ask them what they think of Nick Sarwak, they normally say, their opinion on the logo change for the Libertarian Party. And you know what? That's simply not enough. The fact that we spent six months debating the logo, and that's like the first thing you think about when someone's tenure as the LP chair, you really have to question what they've been doing. So I'm looking at it saying I'm proposing new ideas for social media, for technology, for how we structure our party and reach out to Republicans and Democrats, for training people in our party, for working with the Green Party and the Constitution Party, I'm saying a unique set of ideas that I think can be done very cheaply if done properly. I mean, I have a background in technology. I have a little bit of a background in social media. I think every idea I'm proposing can be done for under $1,000. And if the board is not willing to give me the money, I'll write the check personally to get it done. That's putting your money where your mouth is for sure. So why don't we just get into those ideas then? What are some of the biggest changes you think need to be made to the way the Libertarian Party is structured, the way they reach out to people? I mean, how would you change the problems that you see? How would you get new people registering? How would you get new people declaring themselves politically libertarians? Well, the first thing is I don't think we actually do much to reach out to people. Now, why is Bernie Sanders a success? U.S. Uncut, Occupy Democrats, Being Liberal. These are terrible pages that spew absolute nonsense, but they get every month hundreds of millions of views. And they do so via Facebook. What I would do is I would, on the social media front, I would have the Libertarian Party make a 6 through 12 single-issue pages that appeal to either Republicans or Democrats. So think end in the war on drugs. Um, think end in the Fed. Uh, think end in the wars. We set those pages up. We grow them organically, very cheaply to do. I've done it with Being Libertarian. And we get them to 100,000 likes, 500,000 likes, a million likes. And then during the core election cycles of the midterm or the presidential elections, we begin using them to promote people who've been nominated by our party. And we raise money for that. We raise awareness. And we'll reach tens of millions of people every month, and we'll do so for free. And I think that's the easiest way to handle things. And we will every time we post a candidate, it'll literally hit sixty to 100,000 people overnight. I think that's a very simple and cheap approach. Now, for actually organizing, I think we need to have a Libertarian Party app. You download an app in five seconds. It'll track your location. It'll connect you to all the libertarians near you who want to be connected with other libertarians. And you can see if your area has a Libertarian Party. If not, it'll show you how to form one. It'll show you how to run for office. It'll show you what you can do in an existing Libertarian Party to get involved. It'll show you who's running for offices if you want to get involved with them. Uh, Very simple, very cheap to get done. Now, the other thing is for reaching out to Republicans and Democrats, I think we need to have a very simple platform where we have an affiliate status with the Libertarian Party. The fact is a lot of people are going to want to stay in the Republican Party because they have hope in something that I think is hopeless. So for them, I think we should have a status where you can be a Libertarian Party affiliate, not a member But you can still come to our conventions, you can still get information from us, and you can still ideally donate to us and pay that $25 fee, which that would always be nice. So let me dig into that a little bit more. I think that's an interesting idea there. So 
you're basically want to reach out to people who are disaffected in a way, disaffected Democrats and Republicans, but not to the point that they're necessarily ready to just abandon those parties. But you still want to have some sort of avenue to incorporate them in this conversation, maybe lay the groundwork for them to fully join the party later on and just generally take a, a very friendly attitude towards people that are committed members of other parties. That's I've never heard something like that before. And get their money. Well, too. of course. <laughs> I mean, I look at it like this. If you go to a conference such as the CPAC convention, there are thousands of libertarian-minded Republicans there, uh, many of them young, many of them in our target demographic. And there are people there to vote really for Ron or Rand Paul or even Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz did have some libertarian-ish supporters. But you know what? You go to the booths and the Libertarian Party has a booth there. And what are you really going to do? You're going to tell them, oh, register with us so you can't vote to the candidate that just paid for your trip to get you here. It's not an approach that works. I'm saying that if we were to do this in 2015, we could have gone to a conference like CPAC. We could have gone to a lot of Tea Party rallies where people were cheering on Rand Paul or cheering on Ted Cruz, and we would have made them an affiliate with our party. And last night when Ted Cruz dropped out, we could have marketed the hell out of them. We could have email bombed them, phone called them. And we would have had their information dialed up already. That's something we didn't do. And I think that's a correct strategy. Plus, I also think it just gives a good label to show. When you post on Facebook, people say they're in the Republican Party. I would like more people to say, I'm a libertarian Republican or I'm a libertarian Democrat. And I think that's going to create more growth and that's going to better market ourselves. And it could be very simple to do. It won't cost us really anything. It's just a basic structural change. Some people in the party, especially people who've been here a little longer, are really opposed to it. But I'm looking forward to that fight. I'm looking forward to uh, duking it out with them. Well, that's interesting. So what would be the opposition to that idea? Because, you know, you mentioned people might be listening and scoffing at the idea of a libertarian Democrat. Charles, I live in Los Angeles. As you mentioned, I've literally met people that describe themselves as libertarian Democrats. They're members of the Democrat Party. They always have been. They generally support Democrats, but they call themselves libertarian. Now, maybe people like, you know, pure libertarians would point at their positions and, and point out places where they're not. But that's really not a way to to suck people in and get them talking to you. I mean, these are people that are generally against the war on drugs. They're generally against the NSA spying. They're generally against all the foreign occupations. So these are exactly the kind of people that you want to engage with that maybe they haven't, you know, read Murray Rothbard till 3 a.m. every night, but they do have very good moral They've waited until 1 a.m. Exactly. They, they went out to the bar first and then they started reading and fell asleep on chapter two. But there are people that we need to engage with. So what's the opposition to that idea? I think the opposition to the idea is that the Libertarian Party, I mean, doing this run for chairman, I can say, to be honest, it feels almost like, and seeing people run for president, it sometimes feels like you're running for high school class president. And it's kind of like a lot of people in this party, I think, like the idea this is a closed social circle and they don't like the idea of expansion. A lot of people have said my run, they don't like the idea of someone who kind of just left the Republican Party because he was sad Donald Trump got him and said, I want to change the Libertarian Party. But my attitude is get used to it or don't expect to ever grow. And I know get used to it is kind of a cold statement, but you know what? Sometimes you need to say cold statements. The fact is with this election, we are going to have Trump versus Clinton. No matter who the nominee is, Gary Johnson, Austin Peterson, John McAfee, vermin for supreme for God's sakes, we are going to do better than any election. I can guarantee you that. And we're going to have a very different libertarian party afterwards because a lot of people are going to want to follow up due to the disorganization in the two major parties. So I just look at that and say, we're going to have new people come in. We're going to have bigger names come in. And you know, I think to some extent, they're a little afraid of that because you know, a lot of people right now, they're happy being the state chair. They're happy knowing they could run for U.S. Senate and be on the ballot. 
they might not like the idea that they're going to have competition with people who maybe are not as pure as them. So I understand the fear, but I'm just going to have to say it. You have to accept change in order to get growth. And I don't think people in this party, not all of them are ready to accept change. And I hope I can bear some light on them. I hope that we can show them that over the last 41 years, the Libertarian Party has not really done particularly well on the state, local, or federal level. So I'm just hoping to open the door up there on that opportunity. What do you think should be the goal of the Libertarian Party in terms of how it grows? Should the Libertarian Party be focused on uh, preaching, I guess, uh, I don't want to use the term pure because I hate that term, but on preaching a message and and on, on spreading the ideas of liberty? Or should it really focus on gaining new members and then trying to change their ideas, if you understand what I mean there? Well, I think it should focus on the bread and butter issues that people care about. I think at the end of the day, people care about economic issues the most. Now, with libertarianism, we ideally appeal to conservatism on economics. Now, when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I mean, I was always pretty much pro ending the war on drugs. But, you know, when you're 12, you go to a Catholic school, you're not really going to be like the first guy to want to say marijuana should be legal. But when I was there, I looked at it and said, you know, I agree with these libertarian guys on economics and all these other issues. Let's see about this. And, you know, I really came to the conclusion marijuana should be legal. So I think once you get people on your side on one front, they begin to develop a little bit more. So I would say we need to take the bread and butter issues that people are really concerned about and work with that. Now, some people say, oh, that's what Bob Barr did. And look how that turned out. Uh, The fact is, Bob Barr was just a whining Republican child who was upset he didn't get their endorsement in 2006 due to some sex scandal with him. He was a child. And he said, sex scandal, the libertarians aren't going to care about that. Well, the Libertarians didn't, but the Republicans in Georgia did. Uh, uh, something involving eating cheese whips whiz off of a woman's stomach, uh, something really gross. I would not want to see Bob <laughs> I Barr do that. I have not heard the details of that, and it doesn't sound like I want to. I don't want to know the details of that. But, you know, I'm looking at it and saying, um, you know, we should try and get new members. And the fact is, and what I say to the anarcho-capitalist and I say to the purist is this. Ask the majority of the purist how they became the purist. They probably started out as people who had no political views. They developed some, they became libertarian, and then they became what you guys are today. So, you know, let me get people into the libertarian party who might not agree with you 100% of the time. Have them be 80, 90%. Once they're in the libertarian party, you get them to agree with you 100% of the time. That's an interesting point because I spoke with Daryl Perry a few weeks ago, and he's the one that even his opponents will say he is the purest libertarian, and that, that is how he touts himself as well. But, I mean, just talking to him and getting his story, he first got turned on to these ideas by Neil Bortz, who is a, I guess, libertarian-ish uh, radio commentator. But I think Neil Bortz is someone that people like Daryl Perry and, and myself would now call a neocon. So, you know, it's interesting who can first get your ball rolling on these ideas. It's not always the purest people. Sometimes it is. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people can first be turned on to these things and bring them down that road of thinking deeper about these ideas. Yeah. And I mean, regarding Daryl Perry, I took the I side with quiz. I actually agreed with him the most. So I think that kind of like to anyone who's questioning, I'm, I'm not a pure libertarian because of my former Republican status. I, I would just show him that. I'm like, you know, I agree with Daryl Perry 96 percent of the time. Uh, Ted Cruz is all the well was he just dropped out last night. But Ted Cruz was all the way down to 68 percent. So and he was the only Republican who even broke 60. Actually, I think 50. He only was who broke 50. So I'm looking at it and just saying that I think – and I've spoken to Daryl about this. I think he's aware that people come into this party, come into this movement 
and their views change a lot. I mean, people identify as a libertarian, and they decide what kind of libertarian they want to be. I want to make it so that they say they're a libertarian, and then I want other people such as Daryl, like such as Stefan Molyneux, to say, what kind of libertarian are you going to be? It could be an anarcho-capitalist. It could be a more pragmatist. It could be a moderate. I don't know, but you, I'll take any of these people over what the Republicans and Democrats have thrown at us for forever. Well, Charles, another thing that's been forced upon us forever, it seems like, is our terrible, terrible healthcare system in this country. HMOs, PPOs, the whole deal. And we're going to talk a little bit more about your ideas for growing the liberty movement in just a moment. But first, I need to tell my listeners out there a little bit more about an exciting alternative to their healthcare woes known as Health Excellence Select. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I purchased my own health insurance, so personally, I was hit by some serious sticker shock after the implementation of Obamacare. My deductible more than doubled, my premium shot through the roof, and I'm just sitting here thinking, what am I actually getting for this? I'm a healthy guy. I don't go to the doctor. I really hadn't even been to a doctor for any major medical problem in years and years and years. So why would I spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month and then have to spend six or $8,000 in deductibles before I even see a dime of coverage for my health care? It just didn't add up. And it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up for most of us. But luckily, there is an alternative out there now. It's an alternative known as health sharing. And health sharing is simply awesome. <laughs> I've gotten paid for every single medical bill I've submitted in full, 100%. This is not a joke. After I spend $500, I get everything else back. And our friends at Health Excellence Select have kicked it up a notch. They'll do all the work for you. They will find your doctors. They will set appointments for you. They'll provide you 24-7 access to doctors via Skype, so you don't even need to go to a doctor or pay a dime half the time. Health Excellence Select is truly revolutionary, and you guys are doing yourselves a disservice if you do not look into this amazing alternative to your standard corporatized Obamacare health insurance. You can learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health, or if you're ready to sign up, you can directly call my representative, Jeff Cantor, at 440-283-6849. Tell him Mark from Lions of Liberty sent you. Do you think there's any danger to the idea that if if you're just trying to get people, 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 whether it's more votes, more support, whatever, into that party, that at some point it can become sort of an uh, amalgamation of so many ideas that it, it loses its, its identity overall, which I imagine is probably why there is some level of resistance to your ideas about bringing in you know affiliates who are Democrats and Republicans and that sort of thing. But what would you say to that objection? Oh, I'm sure it's a risk. And if you look at the Republicans and Democrats, they've clearly done that. And it's a problem. But the fact is, it's a risk we have to take because currently we don't really matter in this election. I mean, I think we're going to matter in this election, but we didn't matter in the last one. We didn't matter in the one before. We never really have. So I'm just looking at it saying we have to take risk to be important. And, you know, if the Libertarian Party does not manage to succeed while growing, if we get to 15 percent and it becomes this party polluted with different ideas, you know what? The real libertarians will back out and they'll form a new party and they'll go back right to where they were. Uh, nothing bad happened. The ultra-libertarian party. The emerge. super-libertarian party. <laughs> So what are some of your other ideas then to reach out? Because, I mean, I, obviously, I think that technology stuff is extremely important, but sort of, I guess, less on a, a physical level, less on the engineering side. But what about on the ideas side? I, mean, I know you talked about reaching out to people who have sort of common views, but I guess how would you encompass people's ideas and try to shift them while bringing them into the party? Well, one thing I would like to do, and this is something I think can help all third parties. 
I would like to go to the Constitution Party. I'd like to go to the Green Party, and I would like to work with them to form a 501c, a nonprofit organization, which focuses on the research and advocacy of reforms in voting. So we work on alternative voting. We work on jungle primaries. We research them, try and see what they do on the local level, and then we come to conclusions on what we should support, and then we use this nonprofit as an advocacy group for them. And we can get in some very high-level donors. The Green Party brings in their richest people. The Libertarian brings in their richest people. The Constitution Party brings in their richest people. We get all our guys in. Because it's a nonprofit, it would be a tax write-off for them, so we can get a lot more money than we can as a political party. We do that, and we try and make America easier for third parties. Now, right now, there's alternative voting, which is a model where you can write your first choice, but then if your first choice loses, you can put in your second choice as well. And I think that has some legs to it. I don't know if it's a model we should support. I'm not sure. I've really not made up my mind on it. But I would like to see a bill where a state tries it for a decade and see how it works. And if we do things like that, not only could we hold a better relationship with our other third parties, which I think we need to have because the Constitution Party, the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, we don't really talk to each other much. I would like to change that a bit, and I think this could be a very good stepping stone towards that on something we all agree with. Um, so I think that's one basic idea there. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective because there's so many little third parties, so many people that are disaffected by the two-party system. They may have very different ideas, but even if you just look at basic issues, I mean, almost all of the third parties are opposed to the aggressive wars. Almost all of the third parties are opposed to the war on drugs. There are common issues that run through all the third parties and through many of the disaffected people in the libertarian and democrat parties. So the problem is they're splintered all over the place. So if there were a way to bring them together, not even necessarily just under the libertarian party umbrella, but under some sort of umbrella to at least fight together on certain issues that we can agree on, such as ballot access, such as getting in debates, and such as those common issues that they actually do agree on, which are really, really numerous if you actually look at it. Yeah, no, exactly. And I would say forming a nonprofit just to focus on election reforms, it's the simplest thing we could do. And it's not really that hard. I mean, I speak to friends of mine in the New York Green Party. They love the idea. Now, for other ideas I'm trying to do for growth, you know, I want to go a little bit back on the tech front. I don't think the Libertarian Party has held a high enough standard there because, I mean, we have people who are gubernatorial nominees or Senate nominees. They use at Hotmail emails. They don't have what campaign websites and the campaign websites they have sometimes look very ugly. I would like to almost make WordPress for Libertarians, and I would also like to keep some sort of quality bar where we're not going to promote your campaign nationally unless some basic things on social media and the websites are taken care of. So that would be a very simple model. I think it would work. It would be another thing where you could do it cheaply. And I mean, Brett Pojunas has talked about it. I've talked about it. I think I'm the only one that's actually clearly said, I want every candidate who runs to have a good website or a corporate email or a campaign email. So basically, you would try to lay out a method for people locally who, you know, maybe I want to run for some local office as a libertarian. I don't know anything about web design. I don't know anything about how to do this stuff. You want to make it really easy for someone to get into the, you know, the Libertarian Party website, create their own website sort of within that framework, have them all kind of have a consistent level of quality. No, exactly. Absolutely. And another thing I would want to do on social media, I mean, we have all of these libertarian candidates who, you know, at the moment they run for office – they have to immediately like, start to try and get their own social media from scratch, and it's very hard to do. So what I would like to focus on is I would like to say, 
let's have pages set for each candidate. So what happens is like we tell each party or we just as a national party do this, we set up a Facebook page for whoever is going to be the nominee. And then we change the name of it to whoever gets the nomination. But, you know, we build up followers. And then after that election, if they lost, we have them return it and we change the name to a blank name again. Uh, We do that. And then like every election cycle, we grow a little stronger and it helps us retain bases we've made. Now, that's a little bit of a harder idea to do for a lot of reasons. A lot of people like to have their own pages, but I think it is a good option, especially for people on the local level to just connect with the core base, which is hard to do. So that's one small idea. I mean, when it comes to raising the standard, I don't think it's very hard to do. I think I can bring in some of my friends from the Bitcoin community. Uh, We can talk to the RIT department, the Libertarian Party, and we can do miracles overnight. But I mean, those are just ideas on the tech and infrastructure. There's a lot of things we need to talk about with raising the standards of the Libertarian Party. For example, one thing I would like to see happen, and this is not an immediate proposal I make in as chair, but this is something I'd want the whole board to discuss, and I'd want to talk to each individual state chair. We have a lot of people in this party who I think are espousing views that are too controversial for a lot of people, and I think they're using their names because we have people who are co-chair to this region of the Libertarian Party in this state. And they put that on their blog, they put that on their Facebook, and then they go out and talk about how 9-11 was an inside job, how chemtrails are real, things that scare a lot of people. And they scared me from the Libertarian Party for many years. And I don't think if we give you the, I mean, if we give you a position, it's an honor, it's a privilege to work with us. It is not something to take lightly. And People are kind of just taking that, putting it on, flaunting it on their blog, and then they're talking about these issues which make it so nobody ever wants to vote for us again. And when they see that, even just casually looking, that's it. We've lost a voter, and we might have lost them forever. So, Charles, I know for a fact that there are some delegates listening to this program, so why don't you use this opportunity to give your final pitch? Tell people why who are going to be in Orlando voting for this position for the National Chair of the Libertarian Party – Give me your final pitch of why Charles Perallo, the young buck here, should be their choice. Oh, the young buck. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I want to – at the end of the day, November is going to happen. The Libertarian Party, regardless of who's chairman, is going to do better than any election we've ever done before. It's just going to happen. It's Trump v. Clinton. It's Richard Nixon versus some reality TV star. But here's the thing. We've had opportunities like this before, and we need to scale that. We can't just have a presidential race. We can't just focus on a presidential race. I'm focusing on what we're going to do from 2016 to 2018, how we're going to make it so that in 2018, the Libertarian Party does better in congressional races, does better in Senate races, does better in gubernatorial races than ever before. And we're going to build up an infrastructure. We're going to get more people from both parties. We're going to steal them, and we're going to make them more libertarian. And that's my whole thought process here. And Mark, thank you for having me on. Sure thing, Charles. And before I let you go, why don't you just do a little run through of how people can get in touch with you, help your campaign and uh, just generally help the Libertarian Party, because that's really what you're trying to do. Well, my website, charlesparallo.com, has a contact board. But, you know, we're libertarians. We're kind of a small community. Feel free to just message me on Facebook, Charles Parallo, P-E-R-A-L-O. It works. I just talked to you on Facebook right before this interview, so I I can vouch for it. Charles, thanks so much for coming on the show. Best of luck in Orlando, man. Yes, thank you. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my discussion today with Mr. Charles Paralo, looking to shake things up in the Libertarian Party, looking to bring in some new ideas into how we grow the Libertarian movement via the Libertarian Party, the political branch, if you will, of the philosophy of liberty, the concept of individual rights. All of these things are great to talk about. I do the entire show where I talk about them, but at some point they do need to be translated into political action, and one method of political action is, of course, via the Libertarian Party. It's been one that many have seen as ineffective over the years. There hasn't been a Libertarian president. There hasn't been a Libertarian senator or congressman. But on the local level, in many ways, the Libertarian Party has done a lot of good work over the years, much of it unheralded. But, you know, we are presented with an opportunity here where you have someone like Donald Trump who really just upsets so many people in the Republican Party. They don't think he's, quote, unquote, a true conservative. Uh, They don't like a lot of his rhetoric. And on the other side, we have Hillary Clinton, you know, one of the most unabashedly corrupt politicians that we've ever seen as our two potential nominees of the major parties running for president. And if there ever was a time when a third party, when people with new ideas could really break in and make a little headway, gain a little traction, even if it might be very unrealistic to actually win a presidential nomination, there is a lot of opportunity to bring in new people, people that might be very politically active, but they find themselves homeless right now. Now, that doesn't mean we just bring everybody in and say, no matter what your beliefs are. You could just be a libertarian. But there are a lot of people that once you really break down their beliefs, they might realize, well, you know, libertarians, they actually do agree with a lot more of what I believe than I realize. You know, I actually don't want to throw people in jail for uh, owning a marijuana plant. I don't want to do that. So maybe I could listen to libertarians on this one, even if we don't agree on everything. And any way you can really advance the ball and, and sort of bring people in to listen to your ideas, I think is a worthy effort. And that, that seems to be the main focus of what Charles is trying to do. Uh, with his run for the Libertarian National Chairmanship. I wish him the best of luck in Orlando in a couple weeks. And there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in the next few weeks. Like I've mentioned, there is the Libertarian National Convention coming up where the party will select its nominee for president. It will select its vice presidential nominee. It'll select its national chairman. It'll decide on aspects of its platform. So there's really a lot going on. That's why I spent a lot of time trying to feature people that are going to be heavily involved in the Libertarian National Convention coming up and also trying to help people out there listening, delegates to the Libertarian Convention, people that are trying to make up their minds on the candidates, on the chairman position, on a lot of these issues. I like to use this as a platform to help them out while continuing to advance the ideas of liberty, which is, of course, our mission here at Lions of Liberty. If you want to be a part of this mission, if you enjoy our mission, I encourage you, if you don't already, to subscribe either on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, and to go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a great review on those platforms. These are ways you can really help us boost up the show, get it out there in front of more people. If you want to join this conversation, there are, of course, many social media outlets by which to do so. You can tweet to us over on the Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you really want to join the conversation with with us, talk about these issues, or even if you're just curious about the ideas of liberty and want to learn more, it's a very, very friendly place over at the Lions of Liberty Forum. That is our private group on Facebook. It costs you nothing to join. All you got to do is show me that you're not a total spam bot. I'll glance at your profile. If you look like a real person, I'll let you on in. Now, coming next week, this coming Monday, I'm very, very excited because I'm going to be hosting another one of our very popular roundtable discussions 
with fellow Lions of Liberty founders and contributors about a lot of the topics we haven't had a chance to discuss. Like I said, I've been focusing so much on the Libertarian Convention coming up, on a lot of the people running for various offices there, that we really have gotten away from a lot of uh, our roundtable discussions. So we're going to be returning to that this coming Monday. A lot to talk about, of course, between Donald Trump being confirmed just about as the Republican nominee, Hillary Clinton, and of course, all these Libertarian candidates that I've been interviewing and talking about. We got to discuss this with the Lions of Liberty crew. So we're going to do that this coming Monday. And before that, of course, don't forget this coming Friday, right here in your Lions of Liberty podcast feed, you'll get another edition of John Odermatt's Felony Friday, his weekly look at the broken criminal justice system. Until then, folks, live long and live free.